We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Loose Edwards Podcast. This is episode 173 of the pod. It is a Victory Monday podcast. We will uh, rob you of a little bit of Monday Night Football analysis worth on the Chiefs and the Ravens because there's plenty to talk to today on a Bears Victory Monday. Joe Moose alongside Matt Rooney. Matt, uh, where to begin here? You want to Tarantino it? Like kind of say where we are right now, end of the movie or end of the current movie, and then we'll, and then we'll go back and figure out how we got there. Nick Foles is the week four starting quarterback for the officially. Chicago Bears. The, the announcement coming down officially earlier on Monday from Matt Nagy. There was really no um, discussion to even be had here after what we saw on Sunday. So let's take it to the beginning of the game. Bears uh, defeat the Falcons in come-from-behind fashion, uh, scoring four touchdowns technically, but three touchdowns in the final four minutes and 30 seconds of the game uh, throughout a through a. Truly impressive performance by Nick Foles. Uh, things visibly changed on field when the quarterback situation changed. And you, you feel for Mitch. I mean, we can come at this from a million different directions, but just your initial reaction to everything that you saw on Sunday. Matt. I mean, you you kind of hit it on the head there. Everything changed when Nick Foles took the field. Not just the offense, but you saw a, a change. It was a in confidence the, level. You saw, an, you saw yeah. a change in the step of the defense because we talked about it last year. And I think we've both been parts of teams probably in our careers, and we've watched Bears teams for, you know, obviously our entire lives here. It's been the same story. The defense holds up their end of the bargain. The offense can't really. And then eventually the defense kind of gets a little bit tired out, a little bit exhausted, a little bit mentally weak too. Uh And I think that's kind of what happened just to start this year. I think you saw right from the gate, obviously, with the brutal start in Detroit. There's a little bit of a here we go again. And I don't want to say the defense packed it in, but it's hard to have not in the back of your heads like, oh man, here we go again, 16 more games of having to be on every single possession, every single play. And when Nick Foles took the field, not only did you see the offense, you see the offense step up. The wide receiver still had some things to fix, uh, namely drop footballs. There can't be as many of them, but I, I thought there were some more plays made by wide receivers. The defense stepped it up a little bit, and the offense, the, the whole team just looked to flow a little bit better. Um, of 12 quarters of Mitch Trubisky football this fall, Thus far, because like I said, I think it's going to be a ping pong show. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a split squad. I think we're going to see Mitch Trubisky again, whether that be for injury, poor play. I think it's only if there's injury. Um, yeah, I, I guess I would I would listen to that conversation, but that's a conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. The conversation I want to have is how many good quarters of football did you see out of Mitch um, it, it, through three weeks or through just shy of three weeks? Or because if we're calling it. Two quarters this week, so ten quarters of football. Two quarters this week, both were poor. Uh, last last week against the Giants, you had one and a half good quarters, and then things went sour Detroit, in the second half. Detroit, you had one. Detroit, you had one good quarter. So uh, we know why Mitch Trubisky was named the starter. Maybe the disparity through camp wasn't that large, mm-hmm. and and it was you know the incumbent keeps the seat here because Nick Foles wasn't good enough to. Um, dethrone him, if you will, or the fact that um, Ryan Pace wanted one last gasp out of his draft pick. But credit to Matt Nagy and his entire staff coming into Sunday, this Sunday, prepared to take Mitch Trubisky out of a ballgame. Because like you said, if you take him out and you're you're saying, you know, you don't want to go back and forth, how he said during camp or said Mm -hmm. earlier in the season, then, you know, Nick Foles is your starting quarterback from the moment you take Mitch Trubisky out of the ballgame barring some sort of injury. And 
I, I didn't see Matt Nagy prepared to make that decision, and it looked like that was a conversation that they had had, you know, prior to that they were prepared to make that sort of change um, at the top of the roster in the middle of a game, and it changed things. It, it may have very, it may, when you look back at it, be the difference between sneaking into the playoffs and not sneaking into the playoffs, mm-hmm. getting that win against Atlanta. So credit to that to that staff for making that decision because for me Mitch was you know a lot of people said oh he got the quick hook on Sunday he didn't he didn't we get saw a quick what hook we, we saw we, we, what 12 we saw what we needed to see and most importantly it was, it was cumulative poor play between the interceptions he threw in the second half against mm-hmm. a lowly Giants team and the way he was unable to execute on Sunday I mean getting it down into the red zone dinking and dunking his way there and then unable to punctuate a drive or the struggles, let's say, they had on third down. It wasn't a quick hook. We saw it. We got a chance, and now Nick Foles is a starting quarterback. Yeah, I think the two things that stuck out for me, and I know uh, as a broadcast team, people had problems with Jonathan, Jonathan Vilma week one. I thought he made a really good point that I, I guess I knew but hadn't really clicked with me. The Falcons just decided and do what teams were deciding to do with Mitch is just daring him to throw the ball downfield because they know they can't get beat. That's why the Bears were able to sneak some receivers behind that secondary, but they just didn't think Mitch could make the throws, and Mitch didn't. And then when Nick Foles came in, he was able to beat them downfield. They had to start respecting that, and that opened things up. And I think you saw that's what Matt Nag- like. That's how Matt Nagy's offense is supposed to look. And then also yeah. the, the the other biggest difference is you mentioned in in between the twenties, Mitch can move the ball like he can turn around, he can hand the ball off, he can make first reads, he can make throws with a whole ton of field to work with. But once you get in between those twenties. They can't. They, Mitch was unable to finish drives unless he had, you know, Jimmy Graham making a nice catch or running a perfect pick play on the goal line that had him wide open. Whatever. Nick yeah. Foles is able to execute in the red zone and make the throws that you have to make down there. Um, so so those much for me were the two. And, and it's not just Matt Nagy's not offense. It's every offense. The thing that separates bad to good offenses, good to great offenses, is the ability to come away with six in the red zone versus the ability to yep. come away with three or none. And you saw that change with with, with Nick Foles. They were able to come away with six. How many times this Show year me. did Mitch get down in the red zone and they come away with a field goal, come close, miss a throw, whatever, kick a field goal? A lot. Show me that next to third down efficiency, mm-hmm. next to turnovers, and that's going to tell the story of whether or not you're going to be successful as an offense. But on a, I guess on a much more... Um, on a, on a level of minutia, like like digging into what really makes offenses go, I thought it was blatantly obvious, obvious that the details, the timing, the small things in the offense changed when Nick Foles came in. It just seemed like the ball came out of his hand with a little more zip. It got there on time mm-hmm. and it hit guys in the right spots. That's what makes the difference between a completion and an incompletion. A completion and a one that you're going to break, throwing Allen Robinson outside. Like, yes, it was terrible tackling, but getting your guys in the position to succeed, the game winning touchdown pass, knowing that I have half the field with nobody in it, and if they send eight, I'm just flicking it to the corner and letting yeah. my guy go get it. Did, like, it, did you read his it, quote after the uh, in the press conference afterwards? False about what, that what, I, I listened to a good so amount it of it. Was, was it, it? It's pretty much exactly what you said. And this is the, the difference between Mitch and, and Foles. Is Mitch, if that first read's not there, they send pressure. He's either forcing it to Allen Robinson ASAP or throwing it away. In this case, Nick Foles pretty much told Miller in the huddle, like, hey, this is the, obviously here's the play. If they send pressure and I got to get it out, get the space. I'm, he said, I'm get throwing it. I'm throwing it to the L pointing to the yeah. big ATL in the answer. I say, Hey, if there's pressure, <laughs> I'm putting it on the L go get it. And that's exactly and I love what that. He, and that, I, there was I pressure. love that. He put it on the L Miller was right there. Mitch just 
I love and, Mitch Trubisky. He's a good kid. He, he's he's a talented quarterback. The team, by all means, likes him. He was a, speaking to the media and all that. Great pro. And quite gracious, honestly, if, yeah. he's our, if he's our backup, totally fine with that. But like, he can't do that. He can't do no. what Nick Foles just did. And we've we, he's and, had more than enough chances to do it. Physically, can he do that? One hundred percent. Yeah, I think mentally, he can do, do that. Mentally, he cannot do that, and from a level of, from a confidence standpoint, I don't think Mitch Trubisky gets in the huddle and tells a guy to run to the L, draws no. one up in the sand, like has a contingency plan if pressure comes. He's got to he's got to diagnose pre snap and change a play. Nick Foles is building in a secondary option, mm-hmm. going out there expecting pressure. And I'm not, I'm not sure you see much to like Trubisky doing all that much adjusting at the line for the most part. Obviously, you can call yeah. blitzes and all that stuff. Foles is also saying partially because of the relationship he has with Nagy in the offense. But Nagy kind of said like, "Hey, like this is the play I'm calling. I want you to run that. But you know, if you see something, go with it. Like, you feel free to change it if you want to, if you need to. And that's just the experience that the, the football smarts that Nick Foles has to. Can he make every single throw like Aaron Rodgers can? No, probably not. But no, and there, like there's said, gonna be going to be weeks. There's going to be weeks where we sit on this podcast and rail about the play of Nick yeah. Foles. We we know what we're we know what we're getting into. We're not getting into uh, we're not getting into forty straight quarters of what we saw. No, down you're, you're going to in see Atlanta. some interceptions. Here. It's I mean, going to be a roller coaster. Is, they played Atlanta's a talent. I'm not going to call them a good team. They are a talented team, but they played a team mm-hmm. with a terrible defense. But you know what? Nick Foles uh, did did what good quarterbacks do against terrible defenses. He took advantage of them. And, like, he's going to struggle sometimes against some pretty good defenses. I mean, all quarterbacks do, even the best ones. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's going to be many games where, like, he's going to not give you a chance to win the game. Like the Saints game last year, Mitch didn't give you a chance to win that football game. I'm not sure there's going to be many that Nick Foles isn't going to keep you within shouting distance. And there's definitely, like you said, going to be some head-scratching moments, some bad throws, some turnovers, whatever. That's to be expected. But I think he just gives you a better chance in, a, in this offense to win a football game. To uh, to borrow a phrase about the Atlanta Falcons, they are who we thought they were. Yeah, you know, it, it just, I don't know how Dan Quinn still has a job as of Monday at two thirty in the afternoon. You know, I, I tweeted it. You know, it is the Atlanta Falcons. I at no point did it feel like the Bears were out of that football game. Mm-hmm. And a, a stat to kind of illustrate what these first three weeks of mayhem have been like for Bears fans: the Chicago Bears are the first team in NFL history to come back from two 16-plus point deficits in the fourth quarter twice in one season. Mm-hmm. It's week three. It's ridiculous. No one's done that over the course of a season, and it's week three. Now, is that – I think that's both a credit and a discredit to the makeup of this team, allowing yourself to be in that position or you know failing to execute and ending up in that position. But there isn't any quit if we want to go boneheaded Monday morning quarterback here. There's no quit in them, and I think there is a new sense of belief – uh, in having that guy under center who maybe you can be a little bit more confident about. I'm sure there is inside of that receiving room. 100%. I mean, I think you saw I think you saw that. I mean, the receivers didn't – they still dropped a couple balls for Nick Foles, but I thought you saw better routes. They are making a few more plays. And Allen Robinson – I know Allen Robinson I, has said many times he likes Mitch. Like, Mitch is a good, good guy. But, like, he – I think he had three receptions or something, four receptions when Mitch went out. He finished the game with 10 receptions, 123 yards. Robinson looked like a number one receiver once Nick Foles yeah. kind of came in. And quite honestly, by the letter of the law, that should have been a touchdown. Should not have been an interception, that, that one they threw him in the corner, but that's neither here nor there. That's one that's just got to stay the way you call it, and I don't know if there's – Yeah, I, I have no idea how that's – You know, I'm, 
I'm pissed if I'm a Falcons fan and that gets called a touchdown and gets upheld. You know, so there's mm-hmm. there's never going to be it's not going to be a situation where both sides come to some sort of oh okay that was the right call. It, it's it's one of those cruddy calls because of the rule. But it's um, like yeah. that, that was also another one. I this is go off a little bit on a tangent, but like if you're looking at a play for two minutes, minute and a half, you. It, and you what you saw a, is what you're gonna. What you if you, if you, you look see. at it for two minutes, you have, and you can't tell. There's no decisive. It stays like that. That's just that. Like yeah. you need to kind of keep. Then, like, they okay. took like five can minutes it, to look at that thing. Can someone get me Jerome Bogert's phone number because the way he announces it and says the ruling on the field is a touch back. Yeah. Like he was like trying to troll Bears fans. So what you're supposed to do there as a referee. The words that you're actually the supposed call to on say the field is overturned. the ruling on the field has been overturned. Yeah. If if there's not sufficient evidence to overturn it, you're supposed to say the ruling stands. on the field stands. And if there is sufficient evidence to support it, you're supposed to say the ruling on the field has been upheld. So there's actual protocol to go through there. I was very unhappy. I know that's kind of. I thought a there was of, honestly. I just thought there was pretty terrible officiating all day, and not just because some things went happened to go against the Bears. That's going to ha- there's going to be some weeks where they get all the calls. There's going to be some weeks where they get. Don't come. Don't come for a troll job. Don't come for a troll job in the city of Chicago. That's not what you want, Jerome Bogart. That's all I'm saying. This guy, this guy's going to come. The ruling on the field is a touch back. Like, what, what are you, what are we doing? What are you here? trying to do? do like, here? this isn't the Jerome Bogart show. This is <laughs> this is NFL Sunday. You're not at Hockley, okay? Oh man. Well, um, I know that we'll have plenty of time over the season, probably, to talk about the transition of power and when Mitch does come in, when someone gets dinged up. Like I said, we're going to see him again. I, I don't think we've seen the last. Yeah, of Mitch Nick, Nick, I, 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 I disagree that. Okay, I don't think we've seen the last of Mitch Trubisky. I do. I don't know if you're saying if that's because I think it's it, because of injury. I'm inferring. I'm inferring some sort of injury. I, I, I don't have point. the number. In, I don't have the number in front of me. But show me the percentage of teams that have started one quarterback yeah, over the last ten seasons. It's very, very low. Um, and we're very, very early in the season. So I'm still prepared for a little bit of everything when it comes to this Bears quarterback situation. But let's talk about the rest of the game here, Matt. I think headline number two or kind of the, the sub-headline here is the loss of Tariq Cohen yeah. for the season with a torn ACL. That, that does put this offense um, not behind the eight ball, but it, it takes away a weapon from yeah. an offense that needs as many weapons as they can get. Thrilled that Tariq Cohen got his money when he got it, you know, for his well-being, for his mm-hmm. his whole setup, signing that contract the week before the injury. It's unfortunate we're not going to have him um, on such a fluke play, field. too, because you know, just someone play. got shoved into him. And, and I mean, I take everything Matt Nagy says with a grain of salt, but you're starting to see it with Tariq Cohen in the offense, too. You're starting to see Tariq Cohen, one, understand the offense, and two, the people calling the plays understanding what to do with Tariq Cohen. I thought we were starting to see him a little bit more in – you know, that alternate kind of move him around role, but they were also handing him the ball a couple mm-hmm. times between the tackles because they saw that he could be... Some misdirection, pr- some counter here and there, yeah. Yeah, productive in, in that aspect. So I, I don't know if they look outside of the franchise right now for uh, for some more help in the running back room. I'm sure I they will, but I think this is because where... because of just depth, right? Yes, but this is where the whole Cordell, exper- uh, Cordell Patterson experiment becomes, you know... the hy- It's no longer a hypothesis. You're testing mm-hmm. your hypothesis now. Can he be a running back? I think you're going to see a lot more 84 in the backfield, and it's going to be weird. But I think, I, I think from what I've I think seen from so far, I, I think and he's I think been it's fine. his best. It's his best utilization on the team too. Mm-hmm. I don't think within that receiving core, there's anywhere to put him. Yes, his return specialist, do your thing, whatever. But in order to get your no, you, you know, have much return on your investment, receiver, much better the money route. you're putting into him. 
put him in that backfield. I, also, I, I'm Matt, on board with this now. Matt Nagy and this offense very much love you know starting it with four wide or you know three tight or three receivers and a tight end with that running back in the backfield and then motioning mm-hmm. that running back out into the slot. That's a great spot for Cordell Patterson to be in because he's kind of that hybrid running back receiver. And you're yeah. like a it's lot a of times cover. when you motion that running back, back all the way out wide, backer. like that's pretty much just saying he's not getting the ball here. If you're motioning Cordero Patterson out wide, you still kind of have to think about him, still have to be aware that mm-hmm. he's out there because he still can't beat you. Uh, also, I guess another thing I want to take from this, now that yeah. now that they have Nick Foles and, and the, seemingly Matt Nagy is a little more comfortable with this quarterback, a little more comfortable in his offense, I have a fear, I hope it's not doesn't come, come to fruition on Sunday, that they're going to get a little bit too pass-happy again. Now that Nagy kind of has his guy, it's a little bit, well... Now, we had to run the ball because Mitch couldn't do everything, but now that we have a guy that can do everything, we don't need to run the ball as much. Running the ball has has set up this offensive line to be as good as they are and, quite honestly, set up this offense to be as good as it. You still need to find a way to get David Montgomery 15 or so carries a game. Completely agree with that. I'd say north of that. I'd say get me closer to 20. Yeah, I I like David Montgomery that much. I like the way he runs that much, and I think they can be productive – you know, putting that sort of. I think he's actually yes, the guy yeah. that steps up now. The co- like obviously they, they might have to bring someone in. Absolutely. He's going to be a guy that benefits from because there's there's no more carries to really be taken away. Um, I, I lost the point that I was trying to That's make okay. there. I do that all the time. The offense you're just talking about getting a little pass happy. Oh, my point was going to be that pass happy, run happy, even mix. However, you want to break it down, you should be able to move the ball in today's NFL. The notion that. The whole notion that defenses were going to have a leg up on offenses, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, it's a complete fallacy right now. Mm -hmm. Defenses are struggling to stop these track meet offenses, whether that's through the air, interesting screen plays, whether you're running the ball still productively like some teams are in the NFL. You've got to be able to move the ball in today's NFL, and it's easier than ever right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what we, we see next Sunday against the Colts at home with four quarters of Nick Foles. And quite like, also, when when Nick came in, they were what they were already down 16, so it was chasing from the beginning. It wasn't really the full offense. It was pretty much two-minute offense the entire way. So to see him see the kind of offense they have with four quarters of Nick Foles, I think, I, I'm excited to see. Yeah, I think first, uh, not to put too much onus on it, but I think the first few drives are going to tell you a lot. Just in the way that this way that this team, both offensively and defensively, approaches the ball game Because I haven't been blown away by their juice. I haven't been blown away by you know their ability defensively to wreak havoc and offensively to score points. Mm-hmm. If those are going to be your metrics. I haven't been blown away by it because I think, and this was my point prior to kick of the season, you have to be able to manufacture momentum. And I think they're going to be able to create a little bit more energy internally with Nick Foles as the quarterback. And I don't think that that's a temporary new guy field type thing. I think that's a general belief in the confidence of your quarterback. Yeah, uh, and... I, I, one other thing I picked up, noticed, watch it. It's something I guess I've probably seen now for three weeks. Um, I think Jimmy Graham needs to be the, the Jimmy Graham signing. Maybe overpaid for him a little bit, but who's this Jimmy he's, Graham? He's been vital <laughs> to this offense. And we, he's, been, he's been the goal he's, line offense. He's been their best. He's been, he's been their offense inside the five. I, I yeah. think it, is nine million a little much for him right now. Yes, but the Bears can afford it under the cap, and he has made that without him in this offense also, right now. I think he allows – Cole Komet's had a little bit of a slow start, obviously, but you're also seeing him on the, that's seeing the, him on the field part. a lot, which means I, I still think they trust him. I just think – Yeah, but but they're waiting for something to develop, and if you were Jimmy waiting Graham gives for you that luxury. 
and if you're waiting to something, waiting for something to develop, that's a second round pick. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have someone there to supplement that developmental process, you're in trouble. So say what you want about their treatment of the tight end position, but I love where they're at right now. Jimmy Graham has allowed Cole Komet to kind of develop exactly. at his own pace exactly. and not be like, hey, you need to go be ready right now. You need to be the A star. He, yeah. He's got a Jimmy Graham. He's got an A plus pro touch- to learn from. And yeah, he's got, I think he's got a touchdown. Three touchdowns. Right? Three touchdown receptions. Um, no, or, two no, yesterday two, and okay, one. Yeah, the, the one against Detroit. against the Lions. So yeah. three yeah. this season. Had three all of last season with the Green Bay Packers. So the production has seen an upkick. Let's hope that that continues. Uh, Matt, any any couple parting notes you want to make here about the Bears? Because we do have NFL whip around plenty to get to on episode one seventy three of the pod. You said you want you were excited to see the first few drives of the offense, kind of see where the next week, kind of what what this offense is going to look like for, going forward. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see the first few drives of the defense because they're playing, you know, quarterback and Philip Rivers who's obviously not a star anymore, but he's a guy who can move the ball. T.Y. Hilton, I, I, I believe he's healthy. He'll be on the field. Jonathan Taylor's a running back. They got a good offensive line. I'm excited to see what that defense looks like, rejuvenated against the legitimate, you know, playoff contending type team in the Colts at home because that defense still needs to take one step up to the next level. Uh, you took us there to week four against the Colts. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to throw out the rundown and I'm going to give you my lock of the oh. week, people. Oh. Get it today. It is the Chicago Bears at home. Oh, I love getting, it. Getting two and a half. And now this might feel like a, a reactionary pick here, but it's not. If I'm taking myself emotionally out of this situation, you're going to tell me that the Chicago Bears at home, and, and mind you, the home field advantage is, is lost this season, mm-hmm. but the Chicago Bears, after spending a week at home, getting a Colts team that uh, maybe is a peer but is not a field goal better than the Chicago Bears right now, what I've seen from the Indianapolis Colts this year hasn't blown me away. And with what I'm expecting out of the Bears from an energy standpoint, an attack standpoint next week, I think that the Chicago Bears not only should be able to stay inside that two and a half, but sprinkle that money line because I think it's a big winner this coming week against a Colts team that's good. That's okay. But I do think that there is a public perception that's bleeding into these lines of a lack of belief in the Chicago Bears. Each and every week you hear it. They're the worst 1-0 team out there. They're the worst 2-0 team out there. They're the worst 3-0 team out there. Well, they're going to be the worst 4-0 team out there next week because they're going to take care of the Colts, no problem. And I don't think that – what I'm trying to say here is I don't think the lines are reflecting who the Chicago Bears actually are. And I don't think the Chicago Bears are world beaters. I think they're a fringe playoff team right now of what I'm looking at. But are they better than the Indianapolis Colts? I, I think, think it's so. A lot close, I think it's a lot closer than Vegas and the public perception is giving the Chicago Bears credit for right now. And that's what you're looking for is the team that's not being given their flowers when they should be. I think that's the Chicago Bears this week. It's my lock of the week, getting two and a half at home. I'm in between two, and much like I, much like I was last week, I'm going to try to pick the right one this time. Um, I'm in between the Ravens laying 13 on the road at Washington. I know that's an insane line, but Washington's terrible, <laughs> but is it? and the Ravens you know? are really yeah. good. Um, that said, I think the Saints laying four at Detroit, um, okay. I wasn't. I don't love how Drew Brees looks this year, but that offense can still move the ball. Alvin Kamara is still the best player on the field just about every time he's out on the field. Um, hopefully they can get Michael Thomas back there. I, I like the Saints to come out after a tough loss at home on Sunday Night Football. They still put up 30 points against a pretty good Packers team. Um, Lions beat the Cardinals this week, but they needed three pretty, pretty let, crucial let, Kyler Murray let interceptions down week to in do the so. Let down week yeah, in the I, 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 like this, I like a very good... 
they're not the Saints of the last two or three years, but still a very good Saints team to yeah, come back, bounce back on the road. I, I don't think they're a team that's going to the Super Bowl. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure they're a team that's going to win that division, but they are uh, still a good, dangerous football team. I think they come back, chip on their shoulder, beat the Lions, bounce back. I would have gone with the former half of those two picks, the Ravens covering the 13. We sit I was close to week. it. When the lines open up on Sunday night, the you know a couple producers mm-hmm. and a couple of our talent, and we sit there and we make the lines. One person calls it out, and we all go around and we sit and name our line. I had that at like sixteen and a half. I'm not claiming to be a handicapper, but like that just doesn't feel like it's going to. No, I, that feels the my I said, the, the my word the words that came out of my mouth said this feels like a thirty to six football game is what it feels like. My only logic there is is one. The Reds, the Reds, sorry, Washington still plays pretty, pretty <laughs> solid defense. They play pretty good defense, and they're going to be at home. Granted, like we said, home field advantage not the same. Also, I don't know what the Ravens have done yet tonight, and I, I just that's I, true. I, I don't know. They're they're either going to go out and beat the Chiefs and be riding on a real high note, and then you could be in for a letdown spot on the road at Washington. I do think they're going to win tonight, so I think you'll kind of have them on a little bit of a high note. Maybe they'll still win in Washington, but might be in a little bit of a letdown spot. Um, so I just, I don't want to bet on them without knowing what they've done tonight. I guess I, I like so it. Gonna, uh, Matt Matt currently sitting at two and one as am I three weeks into the season. So don't let the boys get hot. If an, if anything dictates, I mean, week. if this if if there's any if history suggests anything, this is going to be a tight race back and forth to the That's Super it. Bowl with probably a couple big slumps <laughs> for each of us in there because I think there I think every year we've each had like a five week losing buy the dips buy the dips buy low sell high get in out of the Moose and Moons podcast right now Matt hit the music let's whip it around the NFL beginning on Thursday night with the Dolphins and the Jaguars Dolphins get their first win of the, week of the season behind a fun performance is the way I'd call it uh, from Matthew Fitzpatrick Brian Fitzpatrick. How many times have I done that on this podcast? And you're a Dolphins guy. They're your second team, start, man. You got to know I gotta start quarterback putting, over. I got to start putting some money down on Matthew Fitzpatrick. I think there's some sort of subliminal message here that uh, that my, my Northwestern guy is going to get done throw out some, on, throw some, throw Ryan, some on him at Augusta. Ryan Fitzpatrick wins the uh, Battle of the Beards uh, between Gardner Minshew's mustache and uh, I was I was so done with that storyline by the time they got to the game. They did it all week, but um, Dolphins do win. Uh, I'm trying to think back to this one. Jaguars, give me something here, Matt. Jaguars weren't good. Is what I, I, I didn't watch a whole bunch. <laughs> I of the did. Game, I but no, I can't really. The Dolphins are what they've kind of been, what they were all of last year under Brian Flores. I. I'm starting to become a mini Dolphins fan because I like Brian Flores and the way that yeah. team plays for him. And I, that's just kind of weird. They're a playoff. Team. I really think once they kind of get uh, nothing against Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's probably the best backup quarterback in the NFL. But once you kind of get to him, Matthew. Matthew, and I, he's a golfer, Joe. Come on, let's get over this. Um, <laughs> we were there. We I know, were there. I know, I know, I know. Um, I, I'm excited to see. Uh, he's he's a coach, and while you haven't quite seen the, the full results on the field yet, like you're seeing them in flashes. You're seeing his team yeah. play for him. And I, I really like the culture, the, the system they got going down there in Miami. And that was to me, you know, they, they started out with the 0-2 start, but they, they played for their guy on the road. They went out and beat up a pretty, pretty bad Jaguars team, but they did what they should against a pretty bad team. Yeah, uh, got the job done in the end. The Dolphins moved to one and two. Jaguars sitting there as well. Beginning the Sunday slate, the Bears and the Falcons. We know what happened. Thirty to twenty-six in comeback fashion. Can I get Saint a Nick? Down? Saint Nick, bear down. I said he's Nicky from the neighborhood. It just it's like it's if you if you if it was, you know we had the conversation about Mitch. Yeah, it, it could never be Mitchell because no, if your Mitch. name's Mitchell and you're in Chicago, you're Mitch. So yeah. it's Nick. 
Nikki like from the Nick. neighborhood. I like Nikki that. from the neighborhood. All right, uh, Rams and Bills. Bills come away with the win. They give up the 28-3 lead, only to come from behind and win. Uh, Josh Allen, it was a roller coaster, but really, really good again. Did kind of fall asleep for stretches at, at a certain point, but orchestrates a game-winning drive. A, a tough pass interference call leads to the game-winning touchdown. Um, Josh Allen is... Now, right now, through three weeks, Russell Wilson is your MVP, but Josh, Josh Allen Allen's is, right behind him. is uh, to be not to be taken uh, lightly in that conversation. Yeah, I was I was kind of I was at work. We had Bears on one, Red Zone on the other, and obviously early on, this game was popping up on Red Zone all the time. And then Foles kind of came in, so I pretty much fully started watching Bears, and I was kind of like, yeah. "Wait a minute, that was twenty-eight to three. Now it's twenty-eight. What's going on?" It was just that was a fun back and forth game. Really impressed with Josh Allen. I think get two very good football teams there. I, I actually, I, the Bills look like a team that can possibly challenge the Chiefs or Ravens on a good day. Uh, but I still think it's going to be a very interesting divisional race for them to get over that mental hump. So do I. Patriots. I'm really excited. Uh, I don't know when it is, but I'm very excited to see Bills Patriots for the first time. Going to be fun football games. Josh Allen with three consecutive 300 plus yard passing performances. Do away with the haters. Washington versus the Browns. Browns come away with the win 34 to 20 over the football team. They're now two and one and over 500 <laughs> over the for the first the football team. That's what they are. The Washington. Browns are over. The Browns are over 500 for the first time since 2014 behind Baker Mayfield. Don't look now. This is who the Browns are, though. They're going to beat the bad teams. They're going to lose to the good ones, and you'll see them around eight, and eight, nine, and seven because they're playing a bottom half schedule. And it's just kind of who they are. That's all I they got. Are who is, is that a second? They are who we thought they were. Situation. Here? We should get like a little counter, like in the well, you know on who, TV. You know who? Like a little corner in the bottom of the screen. You know who isn't who we thought they were, man? Kirk Cousins, the Vikings. The Minnesota wow. Vikings, 30-31. to 31, They lose to the Titans uh, in really damning fashion. I will say a better three. look for them, a, a better performance yeah. this week than the last two. I mean, the Titans are a good football. But he got, he got out-dueled by Ryan Tannehill. So. I mean, they, you're what? You're up 17-9 to nine at half. You, you, you can't get outscored. They, they got outscored with 16-7 in the third. Six six in the fourth. So you can't get outscored by nine in the four, in yeah. the second half at home while you're on two. That was and everybody had that game as you know. No way the Vikings are going falling down three. No way they're doing that at home. And for a little while, it looked like that was the case. You can't let that lead slip away. Um, tough, tough look for Minnesota at home, and hey, I'm all for it. I hope the Vikings stink. That just makes things easier in the division for the Bears. Yeah, uh, I, I thought that this was going to be all roads go through Minnesota, and it does not appear that is going to be the case. Maybe a hot seat there from a coaching standpoint as well. Moving on to the next game in the early slate on Sunday. Interesting note here, every early game on Sunday went over thoughts and prayers to the defense. Raiders and Patriots, 36-20. to 20. Patriots come away with the win. Rex Burkhead with a three-touchdown performance. If you had him on a spot start. Your Just going to say, I did. Good I did. on you. Very nice. Very nice. I forgot who um, got hurt, but I had to pick up a running back if someone got hurt. It's like, oh, Rex Burkett. He sometimes has been used to Patriots. But. I think that this is more who the Raiders will be this year. Um, a good team, not a great team. Going to struggle with uh, with the with the top third of the league, let's say. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I'd put the Patriots there right now as Cam Newton continues to do his thing. A lazy turnover early in the game that kind of made it look like it was going to be a ball game, but then they separated themselves in the second half. And th this was also, not only was it, like, I agree with you, I think they're going to struggle with the top third, be fine, and kind of the, the middle and bottom third. This was also a, a quick turnaround against the best coach team in football, and they were banged up. With, I know Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller both came into the game questionable, ended up playing, but both not 100%. 
this was always going to be a really tough spot for them. They, they hung in there for a while and then just kind of the second half ran out of gas. Uh, say what you want about Cam and what he's doing to the air. It is the ground game in New England right now. The Patriots are averaging 6.6 yards per rush this season. That's the most since 2010. And they've rushed for seven touchdowns already this year, the most in the first three weeks in Patriots football history. Credit to Josh McDaniels. He has just, I mean, he completely redid that offense. And instead of trying to force, it's uh, fun to force watch a fit into his man. scheme, he's like, hey, yeah. you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to do what you do. That's going to help us. Put his ego at the door and said, we're going to fix it, you know, figure this around Cam, and it's working. The San Francisco 49ers scout team downs the New York Giants 36 well, The Giants to are nine. also a scout team at this the point. The Giants are 0-3 on the season, and they're not out of the division because the who leads the NFC East? The Cowboys. They, they one, Cowboys lead it with one win. Philly's one nipping win. at the heels, 0-2-1. They're right yeah, there. So, not out of it just yet are your New York Giants. Brandon Ayuk had a nice game. We know game Washington's the also tied there. Washington, they won that first nice. game against Philly. <laughs> Uh, Brandon Ayuk had a really nice game, a touchdown, five receptions, 70 yards. Jarek McKinnon, um, I, I just root for Jarek McKinnon because I was in Northern California through those two years that he was, after they gave him the $45 million mm-hmm. and he blows his knee out at practice. Tough break. And then comes back the next year, hurts himself again. It, it just seemed like one of those careers that was going to fizzle and it would have been a what-could-have-been situation, and he's getting his opportunity now as they do have some injuries in that backfield. And I think coming out of those injuries, you're going to have to keep him in the game plan because he still has proven dangerous. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't see a ton of this game, but I know this is kind of his first healthy year. I actually have him on one of my fantasy teams. God, I brought that up twice. That's so dumb. Big fantasy guy. Uh, guy. Not at all, but uh, (laughs) very impressed with the Niners, their, their, their coaching staff, You know, knowing how banged up they were coming into this game. It was a bad Giants team, but they absolutely wiped the floor with them. And uh, I don't think uh, they lost anybody seriously uh, on that turf, did they? Um, who got hurt early? Somebody got hurt early with an ankle. What's on that? Uh, oh, uh, I don't remember. I, I remember seeing the injury, but I have no idea. Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed hurt That's himself, it. but yeah, came back in the game. For him. Oh, he did. Back, but came Good. Back I thought he was game, out. Yeah. Good for him. Um, no, I think he dropped. The, I think he dropped. I think he dropped the ball in the back of the end zone. It was like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta roll around for a little bit or something like that. Um, 49ers do win this one, 36 to nine. Nick Mullins, 25 to 36, 343 yards and a touchdown. So prepare yourselves. I wonder if he's gonna for find Is Nick Mullins? Prepare yourselves for the is Nick Mullins better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Quarterback controversy in San Fran. Let's boneheads will will undoubtedly you know, I, I, have. I do remember the one play I vividly remember watching from this game came immediately after Cairo Santos missed a 46-yard field goal, and it was the next play on red zone. Robbie Gold just drilling one from 52 right down the middle. I was like, really? You, you got to do that. Was, that yeah, it was poetic. I was watching it, too. I was That was funny. I literally turned I to somebody at work, and it's like, are you, it's like, are you, you kidding serious? Me? Like, you yeah. couldn't have waited five minutes to show me that? <laughs> Can we put this on tape delay or something? Uh, moving on here. Final in overtime, a tie between the Bengals and the Eagles at 23. They don't deserve our time, to be fair. Joe Texans Burrow. Good Steelers. for Joe Burrow. That's all. Texans and Steelers. We'll talk about Joe Burrow when he gets a W. And it's not. Okay, <laughs> let's look at it this way. Not a loss for the he Eagles. He did lose. Well, I guess Bengals are 0 2 1 as well. But, yeah, uh, Texans, you know, that's, that's a win for the Bengals for me. It's, it's a zero, zero sum game here. Texans and Steelers. Close ball game looked a lot like. A lot more like the Texans that you expect. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson kind of moving around. Did get dinged up at a certain point of this ballgame, too, but stayed in the game. Steelers are 3-0. Texans are 0-3. That kind of tells the story of things here. 28-21, you're fine. Yeah, this was a game going into it. I know it was your lock. The closer we got to Sunday, I kind of thought that the Texans were going to be a team like the Vikings. Like, I know they're struggling to start the year. I know it's a tough spot, but, man, I don't think they fall to 0-3. I don't think Deshaun Watson lets them, but... 
credit to the Steelers. The Steelers are a good football team, and I know everyone was on the Ravens that division. You and I both said the Steelers have a chance to win that division, and they're looking like a pretty darn good football team because that was not Steelers. the Texans we saw in weeks one and two. That was a better yeah. version of that team. Steelers are 3-0 and for the first time since 2010, the year that they advanced to the Super Bowl, so something to keep an eye on there. I know, they were, kind of a, I know they were kind of a uh, sexy pick, a little off the beaten path. I know what I'm talking about, football pick to make it to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. this year. Uh, moving on with our whip around, the Jets and the Colts. Uh, that was a stinker. That happened. I, just, you know, I had I just the over in that game, so that was nice. 36-7, to very nice. Um, yeah. Sam Darnold is throwing INTs and like we're at the we're at the point where I don't know it, it's a real chicken or the egg situation here like is Sam Darnold part of the reason why they're so bad or are they so bad and that's why Sam well, you, you've talked games. about on this podcast several times and I yeah but it, it's starting to, it's starting to it's starting to shift away from that like Sam I, Darnold I agree, is, but quarterbacks he's letting go of the rope and making a ton of bad decisions I need to see him in another situation yeah. or at least in another I can't fully I mean, obviously, it's trending towards down, but like that head coach, that, that locker room hates that head coach. That head coach, which I mean, we want to talk about falls from grace. Adam Gase five years ago was seen as like the upcoming hot head coach. He's going to be the next great star, and now he's oh, yeah. he's a joke. Um, I, I I can't fully pass judgment on Sam Darnold until I see him in like a good situation. But Some right now, it's just trending coordinators. Down. Panthers and Chargers. Panthers win it 21 to 16. This did you see is the, the end of this game? game? No, this was the game I saw the least of award. I did oh, I did man. see the end of it with the hook and ladder. Yeah. Uh, the I, Austin Eckler hook and ladder. I watched that was a the, great play, but I that was like the one quarter. of six plays that I saw. That I, I didn't see a ton of it. I watched some of the fourth quarter because I was this was like during our post game show and then I was on my way home from work, so I didn't see a ton of it. Um, the only real drive I saw of Justin Herbert was when them starting on the one would need to go down the field, then it, give themselves a chance to win the football game. He was able to do that, so good on him. Um, but yeah, Austin Eckler had a walk-in touchdown if he just catches that title. That, that was going to be that was going to be it. That was going to be on every highlight. That was Boise State, Oklahoma, and Eckler ran before he caught the ball. That was Also for everyone for everyone ready to uh, call Justin Herbert a franchise quarterback. Oh, I don't think anybody's ready. Just, people ready just, to do that yet? Yeah, a lot, there was a lot oh. of look at how good he is, all the draft punters. I think you can that. say he's got he's has, has two solid football games under his belt but like uh, I don't he's not say that I, I, I think that you're gonna I think there's gonna be a lot of growing pains with oh, him. That, yeah he's well the, that's what I'm saying the, that's he, always been the notes yet. on him he's the physical freak he's got every tool this and that oh you're gonna love him if you get him into the right system yeah but some guys just don't have it and I'm not saying that just I'm not saying Justin Herbert doesn't have it but the there's nothing that, that says he does yet I agree with that is look look into his eyes and tell me that that's a franchise quarterback I, I got to see it still. Um, just like we do with a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. I, I raised my hand and said, good on Josh Allen last week. I raised my hand and said, good on Kyler Murray. And then he comes back. <laughs> and then he and goes and does something like he this. He goes and does something like this and totally makes up for it. Um, Cardinals lose 23 to 26 to the Lions on a game ending field goal for Matt Prater. Sort of vindication for Detroit fans there getting a win right from the jump. This felt like the letdown game for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. It, 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 they just didn't look like the Cardinals that we saw in the first two weeks. Now DeAndre Hopkins still ten receptions, 137 yards. He gets that in his Kyler, sleep now. Yeah, he, that's that's kind of just run of the mill day for him. But um, it, it was the Kyler Murray turnovers that were the deciding factor in this football game. Uh, which is yeah, I, I, I feel, which is something I feel like I'll be able to say for the next six seven years. Oh, now you're you one week ah, happens and you're already flip flopping. He's uh, back. Uh, he's, he's, he's still a second-year quarterback. He's still, you know, he's, he's still no, growing. I, let me let me do the disclaimer here and cover my butt. I 
enjoy the hell out of watching Kyler Murray play football. I enjoy it. It's really fun. It's really cool. I don't know. I don't know. That's it. I'm going to leave it right at that. I just it, don't hey, know. Hey, that's fair. Do you know? Do you I don't know? think anybody does. Because I don't know. I think I have an idea, but nobody knows for sure. This was this All right, was Buccaneers and Broncos. Back. Let's move it on here. Buccaneers went 28 to 10, but totally downshifted into the second half. Uh, 23 points in the first half, just five in the second. It's enough to beat a really bad Broncos team who's just as just as injury plagued as anyone else right now. Yeah, it's, I mean, they, they drew locks out, obviously, that they were going in between Jeff Driscoll and Brett Rippon, who I didn't know existed until I just read Rippon. that name. They can't really run the football, which is a problem because Vic Fangio wants to run the football and they kind of can't. Um, and this was a game the Buccaneers should have won by 18, and they went out and won by 18. Uh, moving on to what was a really exciting game and a new look Seattle Seahawks team here. They're 3-0 and and they're doing it completely differently. They're going shootout style. They're letting Russell Wilson just throw it all around the park and that's what it was. Dak mm-hmm. threw it 57 times. I think Russ was right around there as well in the high 40s if I'm not mistaken. I don't have a box score in front of me at the moment, but now I do. Yes, 40 pass attempts. So it was uh, a basketball on grass for lack of a better term, 38-31. to 31. But Russell Wilson is your MVP right now. He is. Oh, 100% if the season were to end, he's been unbelievable. Five more away. touchdown passes on Sunday. Should have been six, if not for a gaffe by DK Metcalf. And Russell Wilson's 14 touchdown passes this season, most in NFL history through the first three weeks of the season. So he's out to, quite literally, the best passing start to a season any quarterback's ever had. I, I, I think I said it before on the podcast. I'm not really going out on the limb here. If I had to pick one quarterback to win me a Super Bowl this season, as good as Patrick yep. Mahomes is, as good as Lamar Jackson is, I'm taking Russell Wilson right now. He's playing better football than anybody in the world. On the other side, 14 carries, 34 yards for Zeke ain't going to do it. I know they were coming yep. from behind. They had to start throwing the football enough. That 21, 21 carries, 61 uh, total rush yards for the Cowboys. That ain't going to do it. I like Dak Prescott. He's a very good quarterback. He's not going to win many games throwing the ball 57 times. Uh, uh, and I, now, all respect due to, to a Super Bowl champion, and my Bears bias is part of what I'm about to say here, but mm-hmm. Mike McCarthy, Jason Garrett, really going to be the guys that turn your franchise around? I don't think so. You know, I, I kind of thought there was a chance Mike McCarthy and like kind of a new start, maybe learn some stuff from Green Bay, whatever, but it doesn't, it doesn't look like it's changing much. And, uh, I mean, he's got to have a longer leash than half a season in Dallas, but you can't imagine yeah. Jerry oh, Jones definitely. very happy uh, with, uh, with that investment slide, so far. We slide right from his present to his past. The Packers win 37-30 to on a great Sunday night football game. Um, one of the most dangerous offenses Pass. in the league right now, uh, bar none. I, I, I just Makes scary. 12, 12 is scary right now. They beat a okay. Like This is like you said earlier. It's a an okay Saints, Saints team. team. Uh, maybe a, maybe a, t- a Saints team that'll figure it out by year's end but it's not the saints that we know but the packers nonetheless go on the road aaron Rodgers with what i called uh in my family group text the uw whitewater group of wide wide receivers mm-hmm. um continuing to put up crazy numbers week after week yeah no Devonte adams this week didn't really seem to face him at all um and just i get my biggest takeaway I, I think i said it earlier i forgot how good alvin kamara was because i know he played a lot last year but he was kind of banged up most of the year and I mean, Ankles that off- too. He was that, not just not explosive. That offense. It, the more I watch the Saints, and it's kind of a, a sign of where Drew Brees is at in his career, especially with Michael Thomas out. It's literally just 
get the ball to Kamara on the flat. Get the, get the ball to Kamara, you know, on, on a three-yard hook. Yeah. See, it's, it's just trying to get the ball in the space. He, he just shows comple- he's completely unwilling to try and stretch the field. And you know what's going to happen here, Matt, is teams are going to start to dare him to do so. Do, he's going to start. Do what they do. To he's the going to start. He's going to start getting zero man with eight in the box. And they're just going to say, can you throw it deeper than the deepest? Because I don't think he can. And I don't think defensive coordinators are going to think that he can either. No, I mean, he just the arm strength isn't really there. And like you, you thought Emmanuel Sanders would have, we both here thought he was going to be a great addition to that offense. Emmanuel Sanders' biggest aspect, aspect is his speed and his ability to take the top off. And he and doesn't we, have I was a quarterback this, to come but I was having this, I was having this conversation yesterday as well about Emmanuel Sanders because someone say, made the similar point. Emmanuel Sanders last year, his mini renaissance after the Achilles injury and mm-hmm. after coming from Denver, was in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Kyle Shanahan could make me look good in the 49ers offense, as was evidenced this past week with a bunch of lesser players yeah. than he's used to having out there. Jimmy, know, Garoppolo, you all do, Jimmy Garoppolo is – I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo more than most people do. But last year, Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Mullins is who were making Emmanuel Sanders look good. So don't tell me it's the quarterback. It's the system. Emmanuel Sanders was the benefit of having a lot of targets out there. Mm-hmm. It was the benefit of George Kittle getting double coverage and really sinking defenses down towards like the first 15 yards. He was the benefit of that nuanced running game and showing different looks out of the backfield. So Emmanuel Sanders, I don't know if he's changed. His situation has changed. He's also he's also never been really the guy. Like his best spots, like you said, when he's not the focal point of defenses. And And when when um, Michael Thomas, yeah, when he was with Denver, they had Decker and Thomas. When when, and uh, who was the tight end? Um, The really good tight end, Um, uh, Julian something. They had a great. I I can't remember the name. Who was the tight end at that time? He's not. He's not in the league anymore. This is making us look bad. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, but like, whatever. He, when he's not, when he's kind of an accent piece to the offense, and he's not like uh-huh. the focal point of it. And now you're seeing, like, obviously they have to prepare for Demarius Thomas, but or, I'm sorry, uh, Alvin Kamara. But he's not. He's coming out of the backfield. It's not really the same. In terms of downfield threats, especially with Michael Thomas out, it's just kind of okay. Don't let Emmanuel Sanders beat you deep, and that's all you really have to worry about. Demarius Thomas ain't walking through that door, and that is your week four. Three, pardon me, NFL wrap-up. Uh, one more on Monday night. Matt, before we move on to some uh, Major League Baseball postseason talk here, what are, you, what are you most excited for in this Monday night matchup? It's one of the great matchups that we're going to see this season. I don't know. Part of me just thinks this is going to be like, uh, what was the, the Chiefs-Rams game from how it was two years ago? Um, where they, just, I, I don't know if it's going to be fifty-two to fifty or whatever that was, but I think you're going to see. I, I don't see that coming. I at think all. you're going to see a lot of points. I think I, I'm not saying that. Yes. I'm not saying they're hitting an over a hundred, but I, I think you're going to see a. I think you're going to see both teams try and put on a show tonight. The Ravens' <laughs> offense is good as they are. They're not that. They're not as explosive as the Rams used to be. They, they're kind of more like we're going to run the ball. Yeah, but the Chiefs have not been as explosive as we give them credit due, for though. in I years. They're due. They are. And I wouldn't. I'd never be surprised to see them go for forty-five, fifty points. But at the same time, I do think that this is the break your will. We're the team. It's coming through moment for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to try and make a statement and control the clock, control the ball, and kind of control the aggression in this football game. I'm excited for it. Yeah. Also, there's, it was. I was right. It was Julius Thomas that was the tight end. Julius Thomas. Okay. Back to back twelve. Back to back twelve touchdown. Yeah, number eighty. Board back to back twelve touchdown seasons. It's actually funny. I, I I thought his name was Julius, so I googled Broncos Julius, and Julius Thomas popped up. The first question under like common questions asked is, "What happened to Julius Thomas?" Oh, I thought, can I feed a can I feed an orange Julius to my Bronco? I thought you were going to say it was the first. I, question. I, I, no, that's, no. I think I we're a little in the weeds now. That was a little much. 
All right, cut the music. Let's talk baseball here, Matt. The field of 16 is set. Both teams in Chicago will be playing postseason baseball. If not for three days, uh, we will see how these wild card round matchups go down. The White Sox largely limping into the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cubs, uh, you know. Found it, themselves a little bit. At the they found themselves, and I think that what they have that's going to be the most important thing over these th- over this week, these three games, is they have three bona fide starters. I won't call them aces, but they have three bona fide starters that you can feel good about putting the on the mound for those three games. I think yes. they have two. You think they have two? I think they have – U Darvish is – if he didn't, he had I think two back to starts where he wasn't he wasn't one of the best completely the on this year. If he did, without those, yeah, yeah, start against I, forget, I think it might have been I forgot whatever he had a start where he gave up four earned, but without one or two of those starts, he would be your NL Cy Young winner. Mm-hmm. And if, if Trevor Bauer didn't have that, he's going to take it because of his insane. End. But he's a Cy Young candidate this year. Kyle Hendricks, especially at Wrigley, I mean, you know what he's going to give you come playoff time. They have as good of a one two I think in the NL as you're going to okay. see. Okay, I, just, I guess I'm, I'm giving you, a little you bit more. John Lester is your three. Uh, yeah, I'm giving a little bit more respect hey, to John Lester. John, Le- John Lester is going to come out and give you a chance. I think we talked about Nick Foles. Yeah. If you can John get, Lester is going to come out and give you a chance to win a baseball there you go. game, yeah. but he's not. If you he's can not give five innings, seven shutout anymore. I was going to say if you get five innings, five and two thirds out of John Lester, I think he puts you in a good position. Hundred percent baseball game. He's going to go out. Uh, he's playing, a bulldog. He's going to battle in the playoffs for you. They're playing the Marlins in the three six matchup. Winner will get the winner of Atlanta and Cincinnati. The Marlins making their first trip to Wrigley Field for postseason baseball since you know what. Um, not to bring that into the conversation here. 2003, but, uh, Cubs, yeah. Cubs fans got to be excited about uh, what lies ahead here, the road that lies ahead, because I think they do have a much clearer path towards some sort of um, Final Four situation than the White Sox do. Uh, White Sox going to face off with the A's in the 2-7 after really just mailing in the final couple weeks of the season. Unfortunate they can't get the win on Sunday to get themselves that title of division champions. That instead goes to the Minnesota Twins. Cost well, you do money on a Houston, futures bet? You do avoid the uh, Houston Astros in that case. So it's the Twins and the Astros, the White Sox and the A's, the mm-hmm. Yankees and the Cleveland Indians to what, to what me, and I don't know if I'm brainwashed from being out here for about a year now, but that's the most exciting wild series. Yeah, just oh, 100%, I mean, talk about I agree. talk about game one, Cole versus Cole Bieber, and Bieber. Like, just come on, like it's it's can't miss stuff. And then Tampa Bay, Toronto, and what I think is a very interesting matchup here in a one eight. Um, really feel for these one seeds because there's really just not much onus. We'll get to that in a little bit of buy or sell on being the one seed. But uh, going down the other side, it's the Brewers and the Dodgers, the Padres and the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, Cubs and the Marlins, the. Um, Cincinnati Reds and the uh, Atlanta Braves. I, I mean, we talked a little bit about the the Cubs first round matchup. I, the Marlins have been a nice story all year, but I just think those the, the one two the Cubs are going to throw out. I think yeah. is just kind of better than what the Marlins had to throw out. That said, that Cubs offense, it's one that is very capable of going on long stretches of doing nothing. So if, if they hit one of those dry spells, they can also lose to anybody. Um, in terms of the Sox, you and I were talking a little bit last night. I think in terms of a matchup perspective, this is the best matchup they could have gotten. I know Oakland's okay. a good team. Uh, talk that's, about that's, it. Every, every team in the playoffs is a good baseball team. If you want to talk about that, there, there's no matchup that's good because you're going up against a team that made the playoffs it's, and is a good it's a, baseball it's a team. Three game set, it's a three-game set starting in the middle of the week. You've lost three-game sets. You've gotten swept in three-game sets by far lesser teams. Everyone has. Mm-hmm. It's just baseball. So there's... There's going to be some unexpected results here, I think, in the in, in this next week. 
I think the White Sox are going to very much. The, the White Sox are coming off 17 games in 17 days. I think they're going to benefit from having. The, I, I know they're probably tra- they're, and they probably left yesterday. Um, whatever they, they had to travel, but they're going to have a day off of baseball, get away from the park a little bit, which is probably a good thing. But they're also we talked about it last night. Oakland's two of their top three starters, left-handed pitchers. Sean Manaya is going to go game one. He ha- he's he's very good, but he had a little bit of a down year this year. He wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. The Sox are fourteen and zero against left-handed starters this year, and I know that's in the past. It, it has nothing. It, it doesn't mean they're going to go out and win against Sean Manaya. It's a reason to feel good, but it's a reason to be. They hit left-handed pitching. It, 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 there's there's no doubt about it. They've done it all year long. I, I can't can count on. I can't. Nate, tell you the amount of times I've had to build a full screen graphic telling me the splits between the Sox against left-handers and right-handers, but the numbers against left-handers are much better. Mm-hmm. I, I think getting away from home, kind of getting in the hotel, getting out and, and facing a lefty that hasn't been all that good this year is as much as it would have been cool to win the division. I like this matchup more than getting Cleveland at the seven. I just, uh, I just at, not that Oakland's at, a bad baseball team, but they're missing Matt Chapman. No, you, they start lefties. Won't, and you've convinced me of that. I, I was kind of, I was kind of bummed that they were getting the A's because, or, or yeah, that they were getting the A's because I think Cleveland's in their head, man. Like that, there's no, no I think Cleveland, I think Cleveland's in everybody's head a little bit, and it that's why Cleveland. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna give you my pick baseball. right. I'm gonna give you my pick right now. My my World Series in Arlington, beginning October 20th, is the Cleveland Indians and the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's one versus four, and I think Cleveland is just that hot team right now that has the that has the ace. That has all the good vibes. That's coming into the postseason, humming how you want to be. Mm-hmm. And I think they're, I think they're in the first round getting a Yankees team that's largely underperformed this year. So I think that it's going to be Cleveland and the Dodgers. But if I had to give you my final four here, I think the Cubs are coming out of the easiest. If you want to look at it as regions, they're coming out of the easiest region Ooh, in this. I bracket. think that second round matchup for whoever wins that series is going to be really tough. Yeah, because you're talking, to, and I agree with you, Cleveland. If you want, if you told me tomorrow today they they made the World Series with how hot they finished off the year, and they were six games out of the division like two weeks ago, and then they had a chance to win I mean, it on show Saturday me the, night. Show me the easier region, though. The Cincinnati Reds are the NL equivalent to the Cleveland Indians right now. Down, the, the Reds were pretty much written out of it. They were out. They, the the stretch of baseball those guys are on are they're they're on an absolute tear, and they also have you know Trevor Bauer. Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray is their one, two, three. So I wouldn't. Yeah. I'm not sleeping on them any times. And Grant, with the, the short series, you're probably not seeing Trevor Bauer three times because he's probably gonna he's gonna throw game one. So if he advances, whatever. And if you don't, you got an Atlanta Braves team that is really, really darn good and has Freddie Freeman and Marcelo Zun and two NL MVP candidates right there. Well, you got to beat somebody. Uh, you do, and the, that's like we said. The NLCS. There's no bad teams in the playoffs. The NLCS will be the Dodgers and the Cubs. The ALCS will be the Cleveland Indians and the Chicago White Sox. I'm making that pick with my heart. Uh, do I truly believe that? No. I really think everybody's going to be Indians fans because it's going to be the Houston Astros and the Cleveland Indians. Uh, who do I, 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 I? The Dodgers, I know, are like the chalk pick, but like, Something just, they're, just the be- they're just the best team. In something baseball. just seems to happen with them come playoff time. I, I if, just, they, if they get past the Brewers, and this is going to be a weird statement, but if they get past the Brewers, they represent the National League in the World Series. If you get when you get them into a regular seven game series, I don't think I, I think that's when you truly see that they're the best team in baseball. That they go deeper than anyone. But can they be beat two out of three by the Brewers? Hundred percent. That's fair. That's fair. I don't know who I want to pick to go to the World Series. I, I do like your Indians pick, but I'm just I'm you know I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to be a fanboy. I think the White Sox figure it out. Let's I think, go. I think when Bring they're back to go go. And, and hey, obviously they haven't been. They, they've lost seven of nine, and they've looked pretty terrible during this stretch. But if they can, yeah. 
Yohan Moncada and Luis Robert at least looked a little bit better in the last series. Robert's still slumping, but man, he's he's coming close to breaking out of it. He's having better at bats. And if those two guys go, I mean, that lineup is as deep as anything in the AL. And I, I, I I'm banking yeah. on those two getting those two getting right and that lineup being good. But let's go with the Chicago White Sox. Let's I'm going to take them and out of the NL. You picked the Dodgers, so I don't want to pick chalk with you and go with the Dodgers. I mean, you're allowed to. I know I'm allowed to. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to. You're taking the hot team from the AL. I'm going to take the hot team from the AL. I'm going to say the Cincinnati Reds. All right. Say White Sox, Cincinnati. I, I for me, I actually need to say the same thing as you did about the Dodgers. If the Reds get out of the first round, if they can beat the Braves, I think they can go to the World Series. The, I think that that's a really that's my that's the matchup I'm most excited to watch other than the White Sox in the first round because I think those are two legitimate World Series contenders in the Braves and the Reds. It is going to be high drama and grand theater. Things getting started in the American League on Tuesday and then on Wednesday in the National League. We'll be dialed in and bringing you all the latest here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Matt, NBA Finals in action too. Our cup runneth over, my friend. Uh, we got the Miami Heat. And the Los Angeles Lakers, the tie-ins here are ready-made. LeBron playing against the Miami Heat, who haven't been back to the finals since LeBron left in 2014. LeBron going to his 10th NBA Finals, but is he going to be 3-7, and seven, or is he going to be 4-6? He's going to win. LeBron James, who has been the face of basketball for two decades now, looking to put a third statue up in a third city, trying to become... Uh, one of few players to ever, I think, or I think he'd be the first player to win the NBA MVP, mm-hmm. or the NBA, the finals MVP in three cities. A couple guys have won championships in three cities, I believe. But you got the Pat Riley tie in, who has been an integral part of both of those franchises. Um, it's just, it's everything you could want in a matchup. It is the two stars versus the seven deep. It, like, I love the Miami Heat so much right now because, name for me, the last time a team made it to the NBA Finals or won the NBA, let's say won the NBA Finals without a bona fide star. We call Jimmy Butler not a bona fide star? He's not a bona fide star. Oh, his I numbers don't, his numbers, he's not even the best. He's not, he hasn't even been the most productive player on that team this playoff. So I guess, I, well, they haven't. It's been forever. I don't, I, maybe like when the Magic made it, but even then Dwight Howard was probably I, my, not the, quite a bona fide star. The team that came to mind for me was the Detroit Pistons. The Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace, uh, Tayshawn Prince team. Yeah, they did, I think they, it's, I think they it's didn't have a bona fide star, but they had no, like, it was a they bunch had of like really three, good players. They had three like Jimmy Butler, like not like super, superstar, but like, yeah, but like Phillips, Rip, like, and Tayshawn at that point but were like Kendrick just Nunn, that. Kendrick Nunn, Bam Adebayo, and Jimmy Butler are not to be disrespected. Like you throw no, in a little 100%. Tyler Hero, and that's what um, I. That's who I wanted. And to then ask Goran, you about is Goran Tyler Dragic. Hero, Goran Dragic can go for thirty on an, any given night. I, Goran you know, Dragic is one of those Hero. NBA players who, like, I, ten years from now, you can tell me he's still in the league and like having random games where he drops 20, and I, I, I believe it. I feel like he's been a guy who's just been around for the last 15 years. He's going to be around for another 10 more just producing. Um, I the guy future, I want to ask you about was Tyler Hero. Yeah, I had a future on Tyler Hero to win NBA I the that, year this season. And um, obviously that doesn't come to pass with the season that Ja had. But if you're talking about complete first season in the NBA, and yes, he's the last one playing, um, Tyler Hero is the rookie of the year. This kid's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's got – the guts of a veteran, like the, the moment doesn't phase him. And I know these moments are probably a little bit different, not being in packed arenas, but I, I don't think that slows down Tyler Hero a year from now either. I think he's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of people had him as like, Oh, he's going to be this like 
spot up kid on the outside that can kind of slash to the basket. He's showing that he can do everything on the basketball court. So he's it, really special. That's what I wanted to ask. Is he like a volume scorer or is he like a legitimate potential NBA star? Like where do you, we kind yes. of see him at? Yes. He's okay. both of those things okay. because one night he'll go get you the 30 and have six assists or whatever it was the other night, 12. He had a bunch of rebounds as well. And another night he'll go for a triple double 10, 12, and 10. Like he, he does whatever his team needs him to do. He's a perfect piece for the makeup of the Miami Heat, the way that they're constructed right now. Like that is, that's honestly, what we're going to see is what is stronger here. The, like the two best players at their position playing together or five fingers making a fist. Like I, I, I think that this is going to be a much better series than people are expecting it to be. I think that the Heat give the Lakers a lot of trouble in this. Well, time. see, that's actually I, kind of my buy or sell question because I, I had a pretty vague buy or Let's sell about the it. NBA Finals for you. Because I've said my piece about the Finals. I, I think am, that the I think the Lakers go on to win it in seven. Let's say that's kind of like the I don't have a feel for this pick, but I think the Lakers do end up winning the NBA Finals. I, I'm a pretty casual NBA fan. I know a lot of there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that probably don't watch it in, you know intently as you do or as close as you do, and are probably just guys that turn on the game when it's on. Do they buy, buy or sell the Heat have a legitimate chance in this series? Because we've talked about how the NBA is a superstar-driven league, and if you don't have the star, you're not winning the title. But to 100% me, this Heat team buy. seems a little different. 100% buy. They, they don't give a damn. And in today's NBA, everything is so buddy-buddy. Mm-hmm. The Miami Heat don't like LeBron James. And I'm not just talking about Jimmy Butler, the guys on the course. I'm talking about the franchise and the way that LeBron James left in Miami. It was made out to be this, yeah, go do your thing, go back to Cleveland, thank you for the championships. But there was disdain there from Pat Riley. There was there was real bad blood for a while, and I think that kind of comes back up to the surface here in this series. I think, I think things can get chippy. I think you can get to the Lakers in terms of getting under their skin. Now, they have had really, really nice... Um, really, really nice pitch-ins here from Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo kind of having a, a little bit of a renaissance. And then you throw JaVale McGee in there to give Bam Adebayo a different look. So matchup-wise, I think the Lakers do end up on the right side of this thing. But the Heat, I, I don't think, I think they're a team that you need to look beyond the matchup to see how this thing's going to go because they're going to do everything they can to get under the skin of the Los Angeles Lakers. And I think mm-hmm. they're going to do a really good job at that. The Lakers have only lost one game each series. It was game one in series one and series two, and then they lost game three against the, the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, I believe. Yes. So if, the, so if the Heat can get two off of the Lakers in the first four games, if they can draw this thing even 2-2, or if they can go up 2-1 and then drop to 2 whatever. If they can get two off the Heat in the first four games, they have a legitimate shot of winning an NBA championship. Okay, I like that. It's a good answer. I will be a little bit more interested now. Uh, let's keep diving into buy or sell here because I think I've made my piece there on the NBA Finals. Matt, buy or sell, and I guess this was this is poor planning, but here, but buy or sell, there's going to be a one seed in the World Series. <laughs> You're selling this because of your World Series matchup, I take it? I mean, I, t- I guess I technically have to, or else you I have would to be, you have no be a little bit of a hypocrite. No so I guess, yeah, I, I do sell that. Or you can spray the board here. You can, you, can, you can play both sides of the board. I mean, if you tell me right now the Dodgers made the World Series, I don't think anybody's at all surprised by that because they are okay. they are the best team left. Um, and Tampa, they have 
very good pitching and they just play good baseball. Like the, uh, yeah. you can't really name just about, you can't name many people in their lineup at all, but one through nine, they play really good baseball. They're well coached and they, their pitching gives you a chance to win. So yeah, but I think both one seeds are very good teams. And I think the Dodgers are the best team in baseball right now. I don't think there's any doubt about that. So I think Matt Rooney is playing both sides of the board. That's what we just heard there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got, you got another buy or sell for me here? I want to, I want to talk UFC with you. Cause I know we got, Let's be, do it. I, I know we awesome got some, there was some, I saw the end of the Israel end of Asanya the second to last out. fight. And then I saw the last fight. Oh, the, the second to last fight with the two light heavyweights. Yeah. Um, the, what the Polish hammer, uh, Blahovich masterful performance, uh, against, um, oh, why am I blanking on his name now? Not I Diaz. don't remember his uh, name, but I just remember the Polish dude. He was the one Polish who pride. went up against he went up against uh, John Jones last time out, and many people thought he had beat him and should have gotten the decision, but did not. Um, uh, it's been a long weekend, sure. but uh, Blahovich looks good, and then Israel Adesanya just in what was supposed to be this like epic between these two guys proved that he was the better fighter over Paulo Costa. Just cut him down at the knees in the first round, and then tagged him in the second round. Masterful performance by Stylebender, who's now twenty and zero has defended his middleweight title twice. There's, there's really – it's getting to that point like who's next, like who's going to actually challenge this guy, and there are some guys out there. So uh, looking forward to more style bender fights. Well, I love that. All I needed to say was I wanted to talk UFC. I didn't even ask a question. There you go. And you, and you so I buy. But I here, buy. So I'm, I usually ask this question the week before the week before the, you know, leading up to the Saturday of the event, but I want to – I want to ask it a little bit early because I think this this main event of, of UFC 254 is so incredibly big. Habib and, and Justin Gaethje, obviously we know that's going to be a great fight. But yeah. outside of that, the rest of the – I'm going to, be, going to give you a second to pull up the UFC 254 card if you don't already okay. have it imprinted in the back of your brain. But No, I do not. Uh, we were just getting uh, off I mean, I can, I, can, I can read it to you if you want me to. No, okay. look, I'll pick it up right but now. Buy or sell the rest of that card. We, we can talk about Khabib and Robert Whitaker, later on. Robert Whitaker's an interesting. Robert Whitaker's an interesting fighter um, in that co-main event. I can't say I know much about Gerard Karanier, uh, Alexander Volkov, vet, big-time veteran. Um, and anytime it's a heavyweight matchup, matchup, it's I mean you could have fire watching, Vol- yes. Volkov and Walt Harris uh, has fight of the night type um, potential. Type potential. Um, but other than that, I mean to answer your question here. In terms of the main card, kind of light. Okay. Like obviously, we get to the main event. I'm still here, getting the fight. I'm still watching. Khabib and Justin Gaethje, but... and that's that's worth the price of admission. That's it's why everyone's coming to see this thing. Um, but that fight, I just Khabib hasn't fought in a while. It is. It's his first a, fight I, since think, McGregor, right? And, and I, but I, yeah, and I think that's a problem. No, he, he had one after that. One Did he? Too. Okay. Um, I believe I what it was, but um, he. This matchup and time off for Habib, I think, is not – you're not going to see ring rust. It's just more time for him to get better. They work so hard, um, and it's he's going to try and take it to the ground. Gaethje's going to try and keep it up top and, and throw that home run hitting punch mm-hmm. to try and end it. I just think that the stylistic matchup favors Habib because how good can Justin Gaethje sprawl? How long can he fend off Habib trying to get him to the mat and – a lot of people have tried. Twenty-eight have failed, and I think Habib just kind of takes him out into the abyss, into deep water, and ends him. I think it's another submission on the ground for Habib. All right. Well, we'll be sure to get into that um, more. Probably it's October twenty-fourth, so whatever we record the weekend before that. But I, I know I was texting with you about UFC this weekend, and we knew that one was coming up, so I kind of wanted to get a get a, a head start on that. And you were right. Habib has had one other fight since McGregor. It was Dustin Poirier who he beat in uh, the third round. 
Yeah. Um, Matt, got one more buy or sell for you before we oh, say goodbye here. Wow. Buy or Bonus. sell. Uh, in fact, they are handing out the Stanley Cup possibly on, on Monday night. Mm-hmm. It kind of, we kind of slipped through the headlines here. Buy or sell, we see seven. This thing's not over yet. I want to buy real bad because this has been a really fun series to watch. I, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I, I told you before the series started that I thought Tampa was going to win easily. Quite uh-huh. honestly, if you watch every game, Tampa's been the better team. But Dallas just won't go away. And I kind of yeah. thought after uh, it was to go up 3-1, there was a very questionable call in overtime that Tampa ended up scoring on the ensuing power play to go up 3-1. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of texting with uh, uh, my, my buddy at work, Slavko, who's a big, ho- big hockey fan. We're talking, like, hey, you know, kind of think that that's it. I think the Stars had their run. They won their game. They gave great effort. And that's just a bad break. You're down 3-1. Not much coming back from that. And they came back from that. They went out. They won in double overtime. They got a lot of – they got a, v- a very hot goaltender. They got some hungry veterans who haven't won yet. Or I guess Corey Perry did win, but it's been a while. Joe Pavelski hasn't won yet. They got that, a good team, uh, and Tampa's the better Anton team. Hudobin, that Anton Hudobin toe save to keep things alive was unbelievable. He has – I don't know if you remember this from a long time ago. I think it was 2002, 2003. He has, he has a John Sebastian Jaguar feel to him. I don't know if you remember that playoffs. It was Ducks and Devils. It was Ducks and Devils. I remember he, the name, but I, I, is, I, I'm JS, blanking on a goaltending style. J.S. Jaguar is the last – well, no, he's the last um, uh, player to win a Conn Smythe without winning the Cup. Like it's, I'm okay. not talking, talking about goaltending style. I'm talking about the effort the playoff runs. Like, gotcha. He's been that good for now. Not that he's yeah. going to win it because I think Tampa has so many good players who've had great playoff runs. One of them will take it. But he'll be a guy that gets some votes because of how far Dallas has gone. They're a fun team. I, I hope it gets to seven. I think Tampa's the better team, and they should win. But I'm never going to – the Stars team just won't quit. They're, 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 there's no quit. There's no end to their fight. So I, I hope we see – I hope they force the game seven because I want to see those two go back and forth again. Matt, you got anything else for the people? I feel like it's been a full one. We've touched yeah. it all. I've had fun here. Got a big golf trip this weekend. 173. Yeah, you're heading Forest Dunes. Forest Dunes. I think Dunes. it's the number 19 public Lovely. course in the country. It's very exciting. I'm, I'm playing uh, a Pete Dye design later Ooh. on this week called Pound Ridge. Going to be a lovely little round. It's a nice name. Um, so, so some good golf. Yeah, it's a great name. Uh, so some good golf on tap here for the Moose and Dunes boys. We maybe have a, a, a course uh, recap. I, I heard the Rooney boys are going to be playing some, some special golf here in, in the coming weeks. So, yeah, I think uh, I told you I may or may not have promised a guest spot on the podcast to help review to the winner of their match. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. All right. Uh, well, for this week and for Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso. Enjoy another Victory Monday. Hey, we're 3-0. 3-0. The say what worst you want. 3-0 team in the league. Can't wait to wait. Got to win six more. Six more we're in the hey, playoffs. You can't go undefeated if you don't win the first three. Bear down, baby. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile. For every care, a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.